Hey, uh, would you mind taking out your Bibles to uh, 2 Timothy? It's in the last 50 pages of your Bible, um, 2 Timothy. And if you didn't bring a Bible, we say this every week. We have black Bibles, hopefully, in the seat rack near you. It should say NIV on the end, and you just take it out. It's on page 833. And uh, we are uh, studying 2 Timothy this fall. We call this series Endure. And uh, while you're turning there, if you haven't been with us, what we've been saying is, is that we believe that God wants us to get ready to prepare for times of testing or difficulty. We don't know for sure what might play out, but we do sense that the covering, uh, the favor that in many ways conservative Christianity has known in our country may be going away. And Jesus never promised that it would always be easy to follow him, but we need to just be ready for that. Now, if that never happens in our lifetime, fine, but we want to be ready. So what does that look like? And we've been studying 2 Timothy with that in mind. And if you're following along in the message notes, this is the sentence we've been repeating each week during this series, that when times of testing come, we must be ready to endure with Christ. When times of testing come, we must be ready to endure with Christ. And we've been trying to answer that question. Okay, how do we get ready? Now this week, as we come to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 20 through 22, I'm just going to look at three verses before we take communion. But the answer found in this text, if you're following along in the message notes, is that cleansing is essential to be ready and useful in the master's hands. Cleansing is essential to be ready and useful in the master's hands. And in my notes, at the very beginning of that sentence, I wrote the word continual cleansing is essential to be ready, useful in the master's hand. Now, in just a minute, I'm going to read verse 20, then I'm going to invite you to read verse 21 off the notes in that first gray box, and then later we'll read verse 22 together so we can all read off the same translation. But before I read verse 20, I just kind of want to set the stage so that you are prepared for what Paul's going to do now. Paul is going to give a picture, an illustration of how we can be ready and how we can live the Christian life no matter what's going on, okay? So here, here's, the, here's the picture I want you to imagine with me. Imagine that you decide to have your friends over to your place and you decide to use the best dishes you have. The only thing is, is that you realize that you didn't wash them last time after you used them, but you decide to go ahead and use them anyway. Now, you remember Sesame Street? What's wrong with this picture? Right, so have you ever seen, like, just picture these plates right here. Okay, just imagine saying, okay, well, my guests are coming over. I'll just, uh, I'll just put these on the table, right? Uh, we wouldn't do that, would we? Not if, not if it was our house, not if we were in charge. And what the Apostle Paul is going to say to Timothy next is, he's, remember last week he just said, whoever confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wrongdoing, must turn away from wickedness. That's the context that we pick it up here. And so now he gives a picture, an illustration. So let me read verse 20. Then I'm going to ask you to read verse 21 with me. Be ready, okay? Here's verse 20. In a large house, there are articles, not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes, honorable purposes, and some are for common use, dishonorable or ignoble use. And uh, so picture that. He says, you know, in a house, a really big house where there's a certain amount of affluence and stuff in our day, you know that, Timothy, that there's different ones and some are used for different things. And then he goes on and he gives this next verse, verse 21. Let's read it together. Those who cleanse themselves from what is dishonorable 
will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. So here's what I want to do in the time we have. If cleansing, continual cleansing, is what gets us ready for whatever may happen, then what does it mean to cleanse ourselves, and also, how do we do it? Now, we're going to hear about this a little bit later, but, you know, we've talked about it before. There are Christians right now in Iraq and Syria that are paying a big price to still follow Jesus. And yet, do you know that in the middle of that darkness, in the middle of that difficulty, they are still shining his light of hope to people, even to their enemies? It's not easy, and I'm sure there's times it's confusing, but they understand they still have a purpose. We talk about Corey Tenboom, that lady that was in the concentration camp with her sister a few weeks ago. And what did she discover? That incredible lesson that in that awful place, that Jesus still had a purpose for them to serve him in that place and that they were able to shine the light of his hope. And friends, here's the thing. When we gather like this, we may gather without thinking about that a lot of Sundays because it's pretty safe for us right now. But if that were to change, what we need to understand is he's called us to follow him because he has a purpose for us. That no matter how dark it might get in this world, we actually could still be some of the people that with him shine his light in this world. And so in order to get ready for that, we need to understand something about cleansing. So if you're following along, let's look at this phrase, those who cleanse themselves. What does cleanse mean? Uh, The definition that I gave you there in the notes is this, the thoroughly clean out and remove all that pollutes, all that defiles, all that spoils, all that degrades. Thoroughly clean out and remove all that pollutes. And um, the idea here is that in the Greek language, that word uh, starts with this phrase, or this this, phrase, Part of the first part of the word is ek, which always means out of. So literally to clean out something. And um, if you think about it, if something's really dirty, like take those dishes, if you're going to cleanse them, you've got to remove what's dirty, what's polluted on that plate from the plate. There's got to be a separation process from that. You can't just leave it that way and try and rub it off. It's got to be separated from it. And so uh, that idea of cleansing is what happens. Now, let me pause here because this can sometimes be confusing. What we understand as we read the scriptures is that when a person comes to the cross of Jesus, humbles themselves before the cross, and recognizes that they need a Savior, as all of us need to recognize, then when we put our trust in Christ based on what he did on the cross on our behalf, he cleanses us from all unrighteousness, all sin. He justifies us before God. He, he, treats, he treats us as if we'd never sinned. It's an incredible thing. He washes us. In one sense, that is something that changes our standing with God. In other words, once that happens, once you and I put our trust in Christ, he makes us a new creation. He makes us a son or daughter of the Most High God, and we are adopted in his family, and nothing can change the standing of that. It's not based on what I do, and it's, it's based on what God has done and what he can do in my life. And so, therefore, our standing is there. But what the Bible teaches also is that as we begin then to learn to walk with Jesus, he calls for us to also cleanse ourselves. Why? Because the residue of just living in this world, does anybody notice even the day after you get baptized or you begin to follow Jesus, stuff just 
that, 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 you can't live in this world without getting touched by it. It's contaminating. It can, it can pollute our hearts. We can all get away from the Lord, can't we? And so what he says is, look, in an ongoing way, not to get your standing with God back, because you don't lose that, but to get your fellowship with God renewed, you, and also out of gratitude for what he's already done, you are willing to cleanse yourself because you understand that he saved you for a purpose and you can't just serve him any old way like those plates. And so that's that understanding, and this is a cleansing. Second thing I hope you'll see is that the mark of true believers is a desire to serve Jesus now. The mark of a true believer, every true believer, is this desire to serve Jesus now. Now, please don't hear any kind of superiority. This is an amazing miracle change in the heart that God has done. I mean, if you knew me before Jesus, you would know that I did not, I didn't really care that much about his will, nor did I want it. And the fact that I want it now, I know is not because I'm such a good guy. That's a miracle change. But what happens is, is that people go from saying, serve me, to Lord, I want to serve you. And uh, so want to serve Jesus now, want to serve him daily. And uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 15 says this, the love of Christ compels us because he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Wow, that's why he did it. And so Jesus came and said, even I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life away. And therefore, when I begin to live in you, I'll put that same kind of desire and spirit in you, as amazing as that may sound to you right now. I can do that. I'm that powerful. And so true believers, many years, have just been saying, you know, here to serve. When I, when I was younger, I went to some conferences at a couple different churches, and uh, the leaders of the conference would say, look, uh, we know you're new to our campus. We may, you not, may not be familiar. So if you need anything while you're here, look up. If you see anybody with a badge that says here to serve, just stop them. They'll, they'll, they'll stop whatever they're doing, and they'll help you. And I could tell that many of these people in this church weren't just wearing this badge during the conference or on Sundays. They had come to understand that when Jesus Christ came in their life, now they're here to serve, to serve him. What an incredible opportunity. And so that leads to this next thing, is to be his instrument. Those who cleanse themselves are realizing that to be Jesus' instrument, to be his instrument, is both a privilege and a responsibility. It's both a privilege and a responsibility. Have you ever thought about this? If Jesus said, I want you to be involved in something I'm doing in the world, would you be honored? Would you, would you say, wow, me? I know me. You'd be willing to involve me like that? What a privilege. And again, just like the master of the house says that there's certain containers, vessels, dishes, utensils. He says, I want to use you for this special occasion. Wouldn't that dish, wouldn't that dish feel honored to be part of it? It's a privilege. When you think about what we've spent our lives doing self-centeredly, now be used for a special purpose or be an honorable purpose. But notice it's also a responsibility. And here's the responsibility. We must keep learning how to cleanse ourselves, not again to gain our standing with God, but out of fellowship with God and to have a growing relationship. Here's the thing. If we don't cleanse ourselves, then we offer ourselves like those dishes to Jesus. And he just goes, you know, I can't, I can't use you for the guest I'm going to have. Come on, think about it. I'm asking you to be part of the cleansing process. So what, how, do we, how do we cleanse ourselves? Here, here's, I think it's in the next verse, verse 22. Would you read it out loud with me? Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, 
love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Now, you know, here's how we cleanse ourselves. It involves the idea of running. And I can explain this. You notice those two words, flee and pursue? Do you see how those both have something to do with running? And I'm going to show you that there's probably even yet one more idea of running, if you'll allow me to show you that. And so how do we cleanse ourselves? How does a Christian, how does a person that wants to grow in their relationship with the Lord keep growing and keep learning how to be available? First, every Christian, every growing Christian has to learn how to flee, to flee from certain things, to run from certain things. If you're following along, flee literally means to run away from, to run away from. And what do we run away from? I put there all selfish indulgence. Uh, this idea here is to flee from something dangerous, dangerous to our souls, dangerous to our relationship. And uh, the idea is, is a picture of a fugitive. If you ever saw Harrison Ford in that movie, you know that he was on the run. The idea here is you, you literally learn how to run away from certain things that will stop you from being effective in the Lord's hands. And uh, this sounds so like from Mars to a lot of us, because most of us say, hey, I'm not going to deny myself anything. My whole mantra is, I'll try anything once and a lot of things, you know, lots of times. And so, but the Lord says, wait, there's some things that could actually mess up your effectiveness, your fruitfulness. You got to learn how to run away from those. Not again, just because you're in a negative Christianity, but there's a reason for running. So, uh, again, when you think about running away from, what is it? It says the evil desires of youth. Now, here's one of the things I love. I love third service especially because I get a chance to look at so many of you youth. And I want to thank you that so many of you youth are not wrapped up in the evil desires of youth. But what this means is not that we that are older don't need to listen to this part or that the youth are all like this. It doesn't mean that at all. What it means is flee the evil desires that are characteristic of our youth. And what is that? All of us. In our youth, we all kind of thought the world revolves around us. We had to fight that. We all kind of think that it's all about, you know, getting everything now, everything I want now. Sometimes it has to do with this thing that I think I'm smarter than God, think I'm smarter than my parents, think I'm smarter. All those things. He says, run from that stuff that can absolutely sidetrack you. And obviously it has to do with sexual temptation and things like that. But even more, it has to do with these proud and stubborn attitudes that sometimes we overrate ourselves. And so he says, just run from that. Run as fast as you can. But I don't know about you. I don't always run. In fact, sometimes I hang around. Sometimes I go, ah, I don't know about these other people, but I think I can handle this. And so instead of running, I kind of just, you know, hang around. Or I play with stuff that I shouldn't play with. So I remember years ago, a mentor of mine I said, Jeff, did you ever hear this story? And he told me this story that came back to me this week. I was thinking about this. Years ago, he told me this. He said there was a very wealthy man who owned a Rolls Royce, and he had his own chauffeurs. And so he instructed his assistant when he lost one of his chauffeurs to hire a new one. And because they lived in California, they were out there on the edge of uh, the ocean where they had precipices and hairpin turns and, you know, you know, things like that. So he instructed the different people that were interviewing to ride the, the Rolls Royce in different situations. And then he would almost always take them to one of these winding roads on the edge of the precipice. And he would say to the different people being interviewed, I want you to see how close you can get to the edge without going off. And, and these guys would do it. They're pretty skilled. 
And uh, they all did that except the one that got the job. And the one that got the job just quietly said, um, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but I'm not going to try and drive near the edges. That's not my job. My job is to make sure I honor the owner and take good care of his concerns. So I'm going to stay away from the edges. And you know, honestly, to stay away from the edges, to run away from, it takes a lot of humility. And it takes a lot of belief that the Lord knows what he's talking about. And as we, you and I mature and grow, we will run from those things because we understand that they, they can create some danger to our souls. The second thing, though, he doesn't just stop there. And this is where most people think Christianity ends. They go, stop all that bad stuff in your life. But he's saying, look, why would you want to run away from that stuff if you don't have something better to run to? So he says, and, flee, and what? Pursue. So pursue is another run word. If you're following along, pursue means to run hard after. Mature faith, love, and peace. To run hard after mature faith, love, and peace. I love how the message puts this verse. 2 Timothy um, 2.21. Do we have that right there on the screen in the message? Paraphrase, or is it 2.22? Yeah, there it is. Run away from infantile indulgence. Run after mature righteousness, faith, love, peace, joining those who are in honest and serious prayer before God. So here it is. He's just saying, look, what are you running away from? What are you running after? And I just want to ask you this morning, as you come to this service here, what are, what are you running after in your heart? Because there's some things that if you run after them, they're going to make your heart dirty. They're going to pollute your heart. They're going to pollute the kind of desire to serve Jesus. It'll just get in the way. You know it. I know it. But along with that, what are you running after? You know, what are you running towards instead of that? Are, are there things that are going to help you grow in your relationship with the Lord? Now, there's one more issue of, the, of running that I want to mention in this section. If you're following along, notice he includes this idea of run with the runners, others who are like-minded. To run with the runners, others who are like-minded. I better explain this. If you notice that phrase, he says, look, flee and pursue along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So most of us are pretty honest about our relationship with the Lord, and we go, oh man, those are like the Navy SEALs Christians. I can't join them. I mean, I, I, I know myself. I know in any given week. But that's not who he's talking about. And if you picture him saying, do this along with those who are morally perfect or morally almost perfect, then you, you've missed the point. The point is, is that the word pure, more than just morally pure, actually means single-minded. So when Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, during the Sermon on the Mount, we studied this a few years ago, what's he saying? He's saying, and he goes on and says, for they shall see God. What do the pure in heart want? They want Jesus, and they want him above all else. They have a pure desire for Jesus. And they know that even though as imperfect as they are, that's what they want more than anything else. And because of that, what he's saying is, look, join with people that are like-minded, that are more single-minded. If you decide to hang with people that go, I can play the field, I can do anything I want, I can give Jesus a dirty dish if I want, I don't care, then that's not going to help you. And how many of us know, I need other believers. Do you have any idea how much it helps me to sing 
with some of you. You know how much it helps me to sometimes learn this stuff with you. It's powerful. Run with the runners. Now, where does that come from? That comes from, again, I mentioned the sabbatical. You gave me an opportunity to look back on the last 30, 40, 50 years of my life, and here's what happened. During the sabbatical, I remembered where this phrase, run with the runners, came from in my life. When I was a youth pastor with Cherry Hills back in 1980s, um, the first couple years, I was just trying to build relationships with all the different kids. And as I stepped back and looked at my time management, I realized that I was spending the majority of my time with a lot of kids that weren't even interested in Jesus. Now, let me stop. The Lord loves people that are not interested in him, and he wants us to care about them. But what I realized is, is I was putting most of my energy trying to get them interested and be interested for them, and it wasn't making any difference. And the Lord just said, you know, there's a whole bunch of kids that still are interested. How about putting your energy into helping them and then still love the kids on the fringe? Still stay in touch with them, but let me draw them to, to me and trust me, but help the people that are already wanting to run. And so I remember saying to Trish one day, from now on, I'm going to invest most of my time in not only learning how to be a runner, but to run with the runners and be an encouragement to the runners. I understood the power of joining with those who call on the Lord, who seek him with a desire to run after him, to run from things and to run towards the things he has for us. Runners. And so once you and I get this, here's what I want you to understand. The Lord does not call us to leave things. He does not call us to forsake things just to cramp our style. He understands what we should understand is that if we're caught up with that, we are not free to be caught up with him. And so Abraham, he asked Abraham, he commanded Abraham in Genesis 12, he said, leave this land that you're in and go to the place where I will show you. Now, he, Abraham had to understand, that means leaving here in order to go there. If he would have said, I'll go there, but I'm going to stay here, he couldn't have done it. So that's why the Lord says, run from this and run towards this, okay? This last idea that leads us to this. So stay ready, fully available to serve as he prompts. Stay ready, fully available to serve as he prompts us. And here's what's so powerful Really, what the idea of cleansing is, maybe another way of saying it is, is that all throughout our life with Jesus, we're going to need to learn how to rededicate ourselves freshly to God again and again. Has anybody else known how we're prone to wander? Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Prone to compromise. Prone to cut corners. Prone to get caught up in stuff that was not his will for us. Yeah, we all do. But you know, what happens if we learn how to freshly cleanse ourselves with his word, with the help of his Holy Spirit, and choosing to let him wash us? Man, that can be so powerful. So here's what I want to share with you. I know sometimes when I stand up here that maybe in your mind you're thinking, you know, Jeff, all week long, I can picture you sitting somewhere in an ivory tower thinking about how to tell us to live the Christian life, but like you just don't understand the world I live in. I, like, I live in the real world, and I understand that. Some of you are in school situations, work environments, family situations, home situations, neighborhoods that are challenging, but I just want you to understand that everything I'm sharing with you this morning, God taught me before I ever knew I was going to be a pastor, and he's still teaching me but it was before I ever knew. And so I just want you to know that even this week, I was, uh, had lunch with a guy, and then I went and visited another guy in our church, and both of them 
challenged me so much because here's what they said. It, both without knowing the other one had said it, said, I just want to make sure I'm doing what God wants me to do with my life. I remember thinking to myself, they get it. They understand we're here to serve him. So here's, here's how it came home to me. When I was in high school, I've told you some of this story before. Thanks for letting me share it again. But I, I got away from Jesus. And for a year and a half, I willfully decided to date a girl who I found out in advance by her own admission was not a runner, nor was she interested in being a runner. But I thought, you know, missionary dating, you know, I'll kind of lead her to the Lord, and then she'll want to be a runner. And really, it wasn't her fault. It was my disobedience. And for a year and a half, I got so far away from the Lord that I was so caught up with that that I couldn't really pay attention to anything the Lord wanted for me. But I tried to act like I was. Eventually, he broke me, brought me back, brought me to the end of myself. And that all happened the summer before my senior year in high school. So that humbled me so much because I saw how ugly it is when I'm in charge. I saw the fallout of what it did to my family and friends and other people in our church. So anyway, during that summer, I made the decision that every day of my senior year, I was going to wake up and the best I could just say, Lord, I know yesterday I may have done okay or maybe not, but either way, I freshly offer myself to you today. I want to be available to you. I'm, I'm learning that you have me here for a purpose, and I want to serve your purpose. Even in that high school, I really don't like going to, and really, can you just show me how to do that right where I am? So I would pray that prayer, and then I would go to school. Well, one day, I was going through the cafeteria like I did almost every day, it was a closed campus, so we had to use the cafeteria, and I was going through, and the food service coordinator is yelling above the din, um, hey, uh, anybody that would be willing, we're looking for someone who would take the job of dishwasher. We'll give you a free meal every day, and we'll give you so much money for the week if you'll agree to that. Now, I worked at a grocery store, and I've told you this before. I happened to be getting paid very well at that time, and I just, I didn't, I, the first thought I had was, boy, I hope the person that needs that job takes it. The other thought I had was, you, you've never seen our cafeteria, but in the corner, there was this square hole, and behind it was the dishwasher, and usually different students would bring their plates and go, here you go, dishwasher boy, that kind of stuff. You know, you see, I just realized, uh, I don't believe God's calling me to be a dishwasher boy, okay? So I take my tray, and I go back to the table, and I remember this as distinctly as anything. Across the ticker of my mind, I didn't hear any audible voice, but the impression was so strong and it was in fluent Jeff Nelson. <laughs> I want you to take that job. And I remember thinking, I don't want to take that job. <laughs> and there was this little back and forth. And then I remembered what I had prayed that morning. And I realized this was a moment of truth. And so I stood there for a second and I go, Okay, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but I'll do it. So I walked back and I said to the food service coordinator, hey, has anybody taken that job yet? She goes, no. <laughs> I said, I'll take the job. She goes, really? I said, yeah. I said, when do you want me to start? She said, well, how about today? I said, could I eat my lunch first? And she said, sure. So I came back and she showed me how to do that and I started washing dishes and yeah, some of the guys razzed me and different people and I had no idea. But in that back area, there was a lady about my parents' age whose husband had just left her for another woman. She had kids my age. 
one of whom I knew. And they were shattered. And in the weeks and months that followed, I had an opportunity to share Bible verses with her, to pray with her, and to watch her faith that was struggling grow some by God's grace. At the end of that school year, I was in a play that our church put on where I had a part in it, and she came with her kids and watched that play, and then she gave me a plaque the last week I was there that thanked me for my encouragement. And I didn't even think I did much. But it all started by being willing to be available, to be cleansed as imperfectly as I am, and as much as I get up and down in the Christian life, the Lord wanted to use me. And when you understand that, friends, it changes you. And some of you are going, well, I'm not in an important place. And here's what I want you to know. It doesn't always turn out like that. Sometimes you offer a cup of cold water in his name and you never know what happens. But you're here to serve. And you're fully available. And friends, I believe with all my heart, no matter what happens in our country, we need to be ready. And this is one of the ways we can be ready. And can you imagine what would happen in our church if each one of us began to grow and practice this right where we are? The multiplied power of that is unbelievable. And that's what he wants for us. So here's how we're going to practice cleansing today in just a moment, a few moments from now. We're going to practice confession the Bible says this is a great gift that God gives us, that we can confess our sins. Again, not because Jesus didn't forgive them on the cross, but to cleanse, cleanse us so that our fellowship with him can be rich and we can be cleansed, ready for service. And so we're going to practice that. You know what confess means? It means to agree with God. It means to name it and not live in generalities and call it out into the light so that he can cleanse it. And so we're going to do that in just a minute. But can you mind turning your notes over on the back for just a second? I need to confess something to you, and that is that I, I left a word out. And that is at the top there, it should say a time of confession, but I failed to put the word of there. So would you mind fixing that so you take it home and um, have it the correct? We're actually going to come back to that in just a little bit. But here's the last sentence. Lord, I confess all that's keeping me from being useful to you. Lord, I confess all that's keeping me from being useful to you. I'm ready to run from it. I'm ready to run hard after you. And so we're going to do that in just a little bit. Before we do that, though, we thought, let's take time to sing. Let's just, let's just take time to sit in this moment and just let God begin to speak to us. So Chuck's going to lead us as we sing. We, we do this, by the way, in the hope of 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us and keep on cleansing us from all unrighteousness. So here we go. Lord, you asked for my hands that you might use them for your good purpose. I gave them to you for a moment, then withdrew them, for the work was hard. I confess I have used my hands more to grab and acquire than to serve you.
As you confess, can you picture Jesus cleansing your hands so that this week they're available for his use? Second, you asked for my mouth that I might build up others and speak of you. I gave excuses that I might not be disliked. I confess I have used my mouth more to gossip, tear down, and promote myself. Can you picture Jesus cleansing your mouth and cleansing your lips so that when you use them this week, they're able to be a blessing and used with him? You ask for my eyes to see the pain of others. I closed them for I did not want to see. I confess I have used my eyes more to see others as interruptions or objects to grade and use for my own gain. Can you picture Jesus cleansing your eyes so that this week you see people the way he sees them? You asked for my life that you might work through me. I gave you a small part that I might not get too involved. I confess I've used my life more as I want and have treated your promptings as optional. And then these last two paragraphs, I'm going to read the next one. Then I want you to be ready to read the last one together with me as a church family. Lord, forgive my calculated efforts to serve you only when it's convenient for me to do so, only in those places where it is safe to do so, and only with those who make it easy to do so. Would you read this last part with me out loud? Jesus, please forgive me, cleanse me, I'm sorry for how I've treated you. By your grace, renew me for your service. Please send me out, freshly renewed by your spirit, as a usable instrument for your holy purpose in this world. I will go where you call me to go and do what you send me to do and count it a privilege. Amen. And again, you can keep that with you. Maybe you want to look at that later this week. I know the life groups, maybe you'll be looking at them too, but 